What's up, guys? Just getting back from Seattle. Me and Coach Walls had a blast up there talking football with you guys. Uh, met a lot of new coaches. Uh, learned a lot from it. So we had a blast. Uh, really excited for next week. Our very first virtual summit is coming up. Make sure you guys sign up for that for your free ticket. We'll be sending out that access um, URL and code at the end of the week. Uh, just a reminder that this week is the last week that our all-access pass for the virtual summit uh, will be discounted. Uh, and as soon as on February 18th, that price bumps up uh, another $15. So if you guys want that discounted, uh, that all-access pass where you can get obviously all access to our virtual summit, all the videos 24-7, uh, then uh, this is the last week for that to be discounted. Remember, all of our premium members, you guys get a discount um, no matter when you buy the, the all-access pass. You'll always get that for, for uh, only $50. So a great deal for our premium members. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're a coach looking for a personal playbook tool or you're on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. They have recently released a new product called My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels, from Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all the way to the NFL. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. Again, that's myjustplay.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sports Performance Tracking, or SPT. Sports performance tracking is a wearable GPS device that athletes can actually wear during football games. GPS analytics has been used at the pro level, but never filtered its way all the way down to college and high school until now. With GPS tracking, coaches can measure workload of a player to ensure that they aren't overworking or underworking. SPT is used by almost 25,000 athletes around the globe, from professional football clubs in Europe to high schools in Texas. SPT allows coaches to understand their players' fitness levels and compare to other players. One coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe said, there's no more hiding behind effort. Get the best out of your players and keep them injury-free with SPT. Go to sptgps.com for more information. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Shay Monroe. Coach Monroe is currently the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator at Asheville High School in Asheville, Alabama. Listen as we talk with Coach Monroe about coordinating a wing, wing T offense, transitioning from wing T to a spread offense, and hear from a special guest, Coach Monroe's son. You can follow Coach Monroe on Twitter at Coach underscore Monroe 3. Hope you guys enjoy. My name's Shay Monroe, and um, I'm originally from Loganville, Georgia. Um, played high school ball at Grayson High School for uh, 
for a man named Mickey Kahn, who is uh, now the safeties coach at Clemson. Um, coach Kahn is uh, the ultimate mentor, a uh, really hard-nosed guy, played at, played at Alabama for Gene Stallings, uh, played on the 92 national championship team. He's a walk-on and, and ended up working his way into to nickel, nickel DB when he was there. Um, just a, a really great man, somebody you – um, who was almost like a second father to me. Um, after uh, after I graduated high school, I wasn't a very good player, um, and I knew I wasn't a very good player. I just worked my tail off, and um, I knew I from the time I was ten years old I wanted to be a coach. And um, so after high school, I went to Jacksonville State University here in Jacksonville, Alabama, and uh, was an undergraduate assistant for five years um, for Jack Crow, and uh, was very fortunate to to work with a lot of people. Um, a lot of good people. Ronnie Letson, who's the quarterback's coach at Colorado State now. Uh, Jimmy Ogle, who is still at Jacksonville State, is the offensive coordinator. Um, Adam Ross, he's the offensive line coach at the University of Richmond. Uh, Max Thurman, who's the uh, linebackers coach and special teams coordinator at um, at uh, Charlotte. Jeez. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, got to got to got to be around some some really good folks and and. You know, I've I've kind of had a, an interesting journey offensively. Um, when I was at Grayson, um, Grayson now is a, a very, very good football school. Um, and um, you know, when I was there, we were double tight end, unbalanced line, wing T. Um, and you know, when I went up to Jacksonville State, we were kind of a, a multiple pro I. Um, had a had some success running that. Coach Crow's background was in the eye and, and the wishbone. And then Coach Letson was our offensive coordinator, and we ran a lot of a lot of eleven personnel. Um, and, but it was kind of funny in 2010, um, we uh, we started getting a lot of Chip Kelly cut ups on on RPOs and stuff, and and that's when the game started was kind of trending in that direction. It wasn't it wasn't as big as it is now, but it was kind of trending that way. But um, after I graduated from Jacksonville State, um, I met my my wife towards the tail end of, of me, uh, me graduating. So I actually went back to Georgia for a year, went to South Georgia and got back in the wing tee with a, a man named Roger Holmes, who is, in my opinion, the best wing tee coach in, in the South. Um, his system that he uses is, is a lot different than your typical Delaware system. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the Delaware system, but I just feel like the system Coach Holmes uses has answers for things maybe Delaware doesn't. Um, was there a year, and then uh, came back to came back to Alabama. Me and my wife got married, um, and then uh, I went to uh, Lincoln High School near the Talladega Super Speedway. And uh, you know, as a second year second year coach, I was uh, I was the offensive coordinator, and it kind of fell in my lap. It wasn't I wasn't hired to be the OC originally. I was hired to be the line coach. And then uh, our OC actually left and took a head job, and we couldn't fill the fill the teaching spot because he taught like math. And um, yeah, that, that's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our head coach came up to me, and uh, he was a South Georgia guy. We we'd played against each other the previous year, and he said, "Hey, the offense is yours." And I'm thinking to myself, "You got to be kidding me!" You know, I think a lot of guys nowadays are like, you know, yeah, I want to be the coordinator. I want to be the coordinator. Well, you know. I was scared to death. I mean, that first year was really rough um, for me. Um, fortunately, we were we were pretty good on defense. Ended up making the playoffs, um, getting beat in the first round, and then stayed there a couple more years. The next, the my second year as a coordinator, we actually won the region 
um, and got beat in the second round by the team that played for the state championship in the north. Um, and then was there one more year. Um, and then I took a head coaching job at a, at a private school in about 35 minutes north in Rainbow City, Alabama, at uh, Westbrook Christian. Uh, was there for a short time and then uh, came back to Lincoln as a coordinator again. Um, and then now I'm at Asheville High School, which is a uh, it's a, it's a rural 4A school here between uh, Gadsden and Birmingham hmm. on 59. So I've uh, I've I've kind of I've kind of been around, not necessarily by uh, by choice, <laughs> but um, I, I'm very happy where I'm at now, though. Yeah, that's kind of how the it seems like the football, you know, that that whole carousel kind of goes even in high school football, which is. Um, you know, a surprise to some people outside of the football community. What do you got? So I've got actually quite a few questions from that. I wish I knew more. um, And it's just, I I got so wrapped up in these first three or four years in our offense that I haven't got to study different ones. So you talk about the Delaware system and and a different system. So to me, what is the Delaware system? This is, uh, you know, my, I don't know, wing T, you know, but my dad ran option. He ran wishbone option, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, when I was mm-hmm. a young, young kid. So I've always been fascinated um, with, you know, different option or veer or, or whatever. And then uh, I actually got to go listen to Georgia Tech uh, at a Texas A&M clinic a couple of years ago, and it's always piqued my interest. But I've just never almost had the time to really dive into it and, and know much about it. So when you talk Delaware system, what are you, what are you talking about? Because I'm, I'm a, like a, from level zero, I know almost nothing. Sure. And, I mean, the Delaware system is – is I mean been very successful. It's it's time it's time tested, um, and so I want to preface that by saying there's nothing wrong with Delaware. Sure. Um, there's nothing wrong with the way those guys came up with the wing tee. Obviously, Toby Raymond uh, won a lot of games running it. But um, you know, to me, Delaware, um, they're going to do things how they do things. So, like for instance, um, if you've got a shaded one tech or you know like a heavy shaded you know, just on the backside and you're running buck sweep. Okay. Well, by Delaware's rule, the fullback always goes backside and the center always goes through play side a gap. Okay. So my thing is this, a high school fullback. So you're faking to the fullback to hold that linebacker. Okay. Well, my thing is how many high school fullbacks can dig out a, a, a heavy one technique? Sure. You know, you know, if it's, a, if it's a big kid, I mean, that kid's going to blow it up you know, nine times out of 10 where, you know, coach Holmes, the system, and look, I'm not, I'm no way. So let me, let me disclaimer here. I am in no way an expert on the Delaware wing team. Well, you know, a okay. lot, lot, lot but, more than I do. So that's just well, me asking you. Yeah. Well, you know, like you, you take, you take regular rules. All right. So like book sweep rules is gap down backer, gap down backer. All right. Your pool, kick the, kick the first man past the wing on book sweep. That's the play side guards rule. All right. Center's reaching through play side A. You know, backside guards is, is working flat past the center, gaining depth, and he's wrapping inside for the first linebacker inside. So I say all that to tell you this. Our rules at Dublin or in, and some of the wing tee guys I've been around were just different. Um, like, for instance, if you have two threats in the play side A-gap, that's like – so, like, everybody's like, well, what are you going to do against, you know, two-one techniques in the, in the, in the A-gaps if you're a big buck sweep team? Well, the, the easy answer is to say, well, just run power. I mean, but, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but I mean, if you're running buck sweep, what's your answer, you know, or if you're running just boot, you know, what's your answer? Well, for us, like um, our center, if we were running like boot to the tight end, 
um, just, you know, we, uh, we made a, an X call or a special call and an X call told the play side guard, Hey, I've got a threat in my play side, a gap. You need to stay in and block down on them. We're just going to pull one guard. Hmm. Um, you know, just, and I don't know, you know, I know if you look at the, the Delaware wing T book, I don't think anywhere in that it says to do that. Um, you know, but then again, I haven't read the book cover to cover. Sure. So, yeah. See, see, you know, you're Delaware, you don't just, pull the center there or what? <laughs> what's that? So if you're Delaware, you don't pull the center if you got two guys in a gap. <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. No, no, that's no. really, that's really interesting. I, I love kind of, yeah. I mean, it just makes so much sense. I mean, to, to, if there is, um, you know, if if this guy can't get out, like you said, the fullback can't get him dug out, let's make a call and let's do uh, the thing that would work right. easier for our high school kids. And right. is that and, you something know, like, that you kind of you, – you let – I would assume you, you're letting them uh, kind of take charge of that and make that decision and communicate that on a play Yeah, absolutely. Play. Absolutely. And, you know, the big thing for me is if I'm going to change something, it's going to be a subtle change, just something that our offensive linemen understand because their job's hard enough. You know, they're, I mean, they got the toughest job by far. Um, you know, so I'm going to give them, you know, and you hear guys talk about tools for their toolbox, and that's our job as coaches is, is to give them tools for their toolbox, you know. Um, and I don't know about you guys, and, I, and I'm assuming, you know, y'all are the same way, but I always try and put my guys in, in the worst possible scenario. Um, you know, so how are we going to – how are we going to account for this? And it's my job to say, okay, this is how we're going to account for this. Boom, 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 boom. In you practice, you um, Yes, yes. I got you. Yeah. So, so like when yeah. you guys are, are uh, repping whatever play it is, you're, you're going to give them the, the toughest thing or, or whatever that is because uh, you want to make sure that when it's in the game and, and for whatever reason we get the worst possible scenario, we can at least get it ran and, and it look good and – and like you said, maybe maybe if it's two shades, the the better play is power. But if we've got right you know, buck sweep called, and let's still be able to make sure this play gets a, a couple yards, and then uh, it'll give us time as coaches to then call the better play to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, I think it's all about you know making adjustments. Football is just in the game of adjustments, and it's who can adjust quicker and, and more efficiently. That's you know you're going to be more successful. Coach, I knew a guy one time, and you know, you, you talk about the the wing tee, and it was pretty funny. But uh, you know, he he was thinking about changing offenses, and uh, and honestly, he he it's kind of the ongoing joke between me and my brother. But he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, and and he came he came to us one day, and he was like, "Well, guys, we're we're going out to Delaware, and we're going to learn the wing tee." I'm like, well, that must be God. that must be God's favorite offense then. <laughs> that was, that was kind, of a, kind of a funny story my brother actually got to go out there. i never got a, a chance to go out there but my, my brother was telling me that you know they got a chance to meet you know all all the originators of it so he kind of got the, the crash course on it but that was always kind of one of my my funny stories in, in dealing with the wing tee and and uh, i've been a couple of places you know i wasn't actually co coaching football but i was a strength coach at some places and and they did run the wing tee and I tell you what, man, it's, it's some fascinating stuff to, to learn, you know, and, and I actually sat in the box a couple of times and, and I'd be like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want me to look for? And he's like, just, just, right. tell, just tell me who's making the tackle. I'm like, really? Right. He goes, yeah, I just want to know yeah. who's making the tackle. And, and if you tell me who's making the tackle, I know what play to start calling next. So I, I, I right. thought, and it's a, you, yeah, like you I were mean, saying that's that, a, that's that a, that's answers a, is kind of a huge thing. 
in those systems because, you know, those guys kind of have it programmed out to, hey, man, here, here's what we're going to go to next when this guy's making the play. Right. And, you know, like uh, I, I heard it put uh, the best way I've ever heard. Uh, and I was, I was reading the paper one day here in the state, and there was a coach who was running the wing tee at a big school, which is kind of really unheard of here in Alabama. Um, you know, and he said, look, um, running the wing tee is like dancing with a beautiful woman. But it's you got to dance with her over and over and over and over again. You know, it's a well-rehearsed dance. Um, and I thought that was that was very, very, um, you know, on the spot kind of, hey, that's that's a great analogy, so to speak. Um, now, we don't we don't run the wing tee anymore where I'm at. Um, I've, I've, unlike, you know, Coach Harper said, well, he's been, you know, ingrained in their offense. See, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. So, like, <laughs> when I say that, I'm like, I'm like, all right, you know, I, I just kind of tweak our system year to year based off what we have. Um, you know, and that's just something I believe in. Um, you know, I believe that the best coaches make those make those changes when they have to. You know, they don't maybe necessarily, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but they, you know, they're going to make some kind of change to, to best fit their, their kids. Well, that's what, you know, like you said, you went through uh, as a coach, wing tee, then you went to pro multiple, 11 personnel, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, I'm forgetting some of those in between or what came next, but um, I, I'm assuming you, you probably pull from uh, a lot of those when you're looking at, uh, you know, doing what's best for your kids. And so that's what I've always thought, like, if I could know the more offenses you could kind of know, uh, the more you would be able to maybe not change everything, but tweak little things to make your team uh, better depending on who you have that year right right and you know like there was a when I uh when I left Lincoln and went to Westbrook Christian and then came back to Lincoln uh, we'd actually gotten a new head coach and he'd come from a, a school that ran the option and they were now they when I say they ran the option they weren't your traditional Georgia Tech double slot they ran it out of I mean 20 personnel they ran it out of split back. I mean, they ran out of any formation they could run out of. Um, you know, they were going to try and shift you and, and outflank you. And and then, like, their filler plays were like Jet and Buck. And, um, I mean, but they were a big midline inside of your outside of your team. And when he came and he said, look, I want you to be the coordinator. And he said, listen, I don't care what you do on offense. I just want to run the option. So he actually came in at a really good time because we weren't really good up front. We, we had lost a lot of kids from the year before. Um, and we had a really fast athletic quarterback and we had two really good, really good running backs. So it kind of married up like just the, the right time. Well, me being kind of a, a like having a wing T background, uh, coach Holmes, the man I worked for in Dublin, he always told me, he said, listen, the years we're really good in the wing T, we can do one of two things. We can throw the ball or we can run the option. So I, I kind of used him as a resource, and I said, look, you know, we're going to be running the Veer this year. W what can you tell me? And he's like, this is what I can tell you. Boom, 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 boom. Now, the way Wing T guys run the option and the way, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech runs the option is, is really different. Hmm. Mm. You know, they have – like, they have zone dives. and I mean, they have – Georgia Tech has plays where they don't read anything. They just – I mean, it looks like option, but it's just a dive. It's just meant to be an automatic give. You know, they run midline triple, 
where I mean, like for me, midline triple is like, oh my god, that's that is that's like a freaking nightmare because <laughs> you get like a hot one two in your quarterback's face, and he's going to get the crap knocked out of him, or the ball is going to end up on the ground. Um, and like counter option, trap option, you know, they they run a lot of different variations. So for us, we were more just kind of vanilla. Um, we ran a lot of midline. Um, we ran a lot of inside beer. We ran a ton of outside beer because we so, saw so much odd front. Hmm. Um, and then usually we try and we tried to find the strongest defensive player they had, and we would read him in some capacity. So, um, like we we played a team week one who had a nose that went to Ole Miss, and he was Jeez. six four, three hundred fifteen pounds. I mean, he was a monster. Yeah, and our center was our center was not even close to being able to hand him. So we actually ran pin pull. Uh, we got tight end wing into the boundary, and we knew any time we gave him a tight end wing, they were going to run like a shade strong fifty. So like they just slid the nose to the play side A, and then they reduced down the front on the back side. Mm-hmm. So like for us, it was real easy. Now the center just went all the way back to the wheel the the guard went back to the three and the tackle fanned on the five and we were just reading the first thing play side which was the nose hmm. and uh we ended up scoring a couple of times on that play uh i think the the second drive of the game we ran it uh, as the opening play and our quarterback took it 75 yards to the house um and it is really just a game plan deal it's not something we do every time but it was just you know that was, and I just tell you that to tell you this, Coach. It's not a, it's not a bragging point, but it's like for us, that was our change. Hmm. You know, we weren't going to sit back there. And you know, the previous year I had a really, really athletic quarterback, but he could also throw the ball. You know, like Coach, you were lucky to get eight throws out of us in a game when we were running the option. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even really consider it a passing game. It was more like, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stand up and throw a hitch out there. You know, just to just to say, like, hey, just you got to honor this, hmm. you know, or throw a slant or throw a fade, you know, like a check it game almost. Bet you guys had some pretty cool play actions. You guys would run off some of that option uh, action too. That was always one of my my favorite things when I first started going to to Nebraska back, and it would have been '97. It would have been Scott Frost last year. It, it, I just enjoyed, you know, watching those QBs. It's just pound, 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 power, power, and all of a sudden. You know, here here they fake load option and, and you know, Frost or mm. Crouch backs up and they're throwing, you know, cranking a post or an over. <laughs> right. The tight end's open by 44 yards, you know. So, I always think right. some, those, are, those are some of the plays that really break those those defenses' backs because it's like, man, we've stopped them a few times, stopped the option a couple times, all of a sudden they hit one over the top. It's super demoralizing when you're a running team. Right. And, you know, that's – I mean, like, that's – it's amazing, like – it's amazing the production that Nebraska got so for so long out of being so simple, you know, um, just, I mean, what, you know, they were just like a well-oiled machine and I mean, don't get me wrong. They had, they had great players. And I mean, any coach that any coach in in college has, or, or any level, it doesn't even matter if it's high school, middle school, whatever. I mean, any coach that has had a lot of success, he can attribute that to a lot of players. But what yeah. they were able to do for such a long period of time was was truly amazing. You know, he probably saw a lot more a lot more detailed defenses than I saw. Um, you know, like for us, we our answer instead of throwing that over route, 
just to dictate the safeties, you know, everybody rolled with our motion. So like we started running like return motions where the, where the A back would come in deep motion, then stick his foot in the ground and come back where he, where he came from. And now they were one man short to that side. So they didn't have, they didn't have a pitch player. They wouldn't have a quarterback player to that side because nobody, because coach, nobody runs the option anymore. That's right. I mean, you know, nobody runs a veer anymore. They all run. I mean, if they're running option, they're running some kind of zone triple or, you know, or they're running pre-snap, post-snap, you know, run the zone, ride it, read the end, he crashes, you pull it down and throw the bubble. You know, I mean, just, just stuff like that. Right. So when there's they, nothing wrong so when, with that at all. So when they play a true option team, that's why I always, you know, that's why I enjoy running the offense we do, which isn't option by any means. It's, it's, you know, 21, 22 personnel, power, heavy stuff, mm-hmm. but um, similar-ish to option. The, in our, you know, in Oklahoma right now at 6A, there's just not many teams doing that or any. You know, you know maybe right. they might do it a few snaps, but they're not going to major in it. And so when teams play us, much similar, again, not to that extreme, but just like, uh, you know, when we see teams that run options, it just they don't see it. So it's a completely different thing for them. Sure, sure. And and the the part that I've always thought found interesting about option teams or or teams that you know some people say is it's simple is that it, it's that they've got so many good answers. It's like we're going to run this play until a team stops us or gives us a front that it's not good into, and then we're going to run the play off of that. And and they have great right. complementary plays off of their primary plays. Right. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the key really like, I mean, cause eventually you're going to find a team that, that says, Hey, we can stop this. I mean, so, you know, one thing, and I kind of go back to that first year I was a coordinator and it was really tough on me, you know, and I had a, an old coach on our staff tell me, he said, look, he said, you better start having a plan B, C, D, E, and F. He said, and just said that if that plan A doesn't work, what are you going to do after that? So I really just kind of took that to heart and, um, you know, really started preparing that way. What was that like that first year? I mean, you're not expecting, you know, or I guess it was your second year at that school, but that first year to be an OC, you're not expecting to do that. You're getting prepared to to be an offensive line coach. I'm sure uh, even though that OC had left, you know, for for a long time, I'm sure you guys were still looking for an OC that could fill the math spot. So you're still thinking Mm -hmm. probably offensive line. Then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, you kind of get thrown into it because that's what the team had to do. I'm sure that happens. I'm sure you're not the only person that's happened to so, or will happen to maybe even in the next year or here in the next few months, you know, to some coaches across the the country. Do you have any tips for those guys? Is that something that you think was a, ended up being a positive thing for you getting thrown into it? Do you wish maybe you would have, would have uh, declined respectfully? So uh, to get a few more years or or what tips would you give or or maybe even what you learned uh, about yourself, about the, the position of an offensive coordinator being thrust into it like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think those are all relevant. You know, there was days where I would, you know, really reconsider my career choices. Um, Cause I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants, um, you know, but fortunately for me, I had a head coach that was very patient. Um, he didn't, he didn't crawl me during games, um, which I mean, it didn't, I mean, if it, even if he did, it wouldn't have bothered me because he's a head coach. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, his job's on the line. His name's on the win-loss record, not mine. Um, you know, and he was very patient with me, so I think that really helped. Um, you know, the biggest the biggest advice I can give for guys who are 
you know, being thrust into that situation is, you know, develop a philosophy and develop an identity of what you want your teams to look like. Um, you know, for us, it was, hey, play fast, play physical, and it was going to be, this is what we're going to do, set attainable goals for yourself. You know, don't, don't go in there as a first-year coordinator and think you're going to light the world on fire because chances are, unless you've got some special players around you, you're not going to. Um, so, you know, don't give up, don't get discouraged, just stay with it. And, you know, you'll look back a year later and you'll say, man, that was, that was dumb. Why did I do that? And you'll, you know, as long as you're continuing to try and get better as a coach and you're trying to talk to good people and you communicate well with your staff and with the players, then I think it'll work out. That's, I think that's really good advice. I mean, it's so overlooked is that, that ability to, to manage, and that's the, the hardest part to do, I think, when you become a coordinator and now you're in charge of, you know, position coaches and you're, you're in charge of something that you have to kind of put your name on. But being able to, you know, relinquish some control and then, and then manage your guys, know, know what buttons to push with some of those guys and, and understanding that. I know, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> I know, when, uh, I know when, when I was having my first year, it, it was the hardest part for me was when I was calling plays was the easy part, you know, the managing mm -hmm. of the staff and, and the, the practices and things like that and making sure everyone was taken care of to me was the hardest part. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And it's so funny now, like I don't even, I don't even really get upset during the games anymore. I, I'm such a practice. I, I'm such a stickler for practice. Um, and that's I'm, I'm right on par with you, Coach. Do you call it uh, up in the box, or are you on the field? Uh, my first three years, I was on the field, but then every season after that, I've called it from the box. See, I've always, I've always wanted, I've always thought that if I, you know, whenever I was becoming OC, that if I ever were to become an OC, it would just be so much easier to see it from the box. And I'm one that doesn't get real caught up in all the emotion of it. Uh, I kind of enjoy right. the, the chess piece more, or the chess game of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it'd be, mm -hmm. you know, a, a better for me anyways to be up in the box. But I've seen some guys uh, and played for a lot of guys that felt way more comfortable on the field calling it and, and doing it like that. Right. And I think it's all about knowing your staff. I mean, um, you know, if you're – you know, it's – to me, if you're coordinating an offense and you're coaching offensive line, to me you kind of need to be on the field for that. Um, because you're, you're, you know, you're trying to make adjustments with those guys in between series. Um, unless you're at a small school where, hey, both your, all your kids play both ways. Um, there's a lot of factors. And then, you know, you get to, well, who's on my staff? You know, is it a guy I've worked with for, for a while? Is it a guy who I know is going to give me good information? Um, you know, or is it, hey, I'd rather, you know, I just trust myself a little bit more in this role. Um, you know, for, for what I look at particularly, I feel more comfortable because every one of our guys on our staff has a has a game day assignment of what they're looking at, um, and I'm always looking for the I'm always looking for at the backside of the play to see you know what's what's happening on the backside of the play, and then my offensive line coach is looking at the the point of attack, and then my quarterbacks guy and my receivers guy are looking at the secondary the rotation, and then our running backs coach is looking at um, he's looking at the linebackers. So and how they're fitting. So I think it's all about who you work with, and and I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. You know, I just I me personally, I feel more comfortable in the box. Well, is that 
Yeah, I was going to say Walls did the same thing. And another thing that Walls, you know, did and, and Will still does, which kind of reminded me uh, of this. I didn't mean to cut you off, Walls, but um, is is before every season, we kind of sat down, had a whole coaches meeting, and then they went over kind of what you were just talking about, Coach. Okay, offensive line coaches, I want you guys to look at this, this, and this during the game. Running back coaches, I want you to look at this. And then we'd go through, um, you know, Saturdays. Okay, Saturdays, I want you to break this, this, this of the opponents, this of the self-scout. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys do as well every season? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's imperative. You know, self-scout to me is is more about – I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, you're trying to find a tendency within yourself so you can break that tendency the next week. Um, you know, what is something – are we putting the formation to the field too much and not enough into the boundary? Because, um, you know, in, in our league – Teams are teams are more so defending the field than they are your your formation. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So like I mean like to me putting the formation into the boundary is a is a great way to create numbers and leverage and angles um, against maybe a team that's a little bit better than you are uh, personnel wise, um, a team that maybe doesn't make as many adjustments. Um, you know, and, and I think it's important that you establish those those guidelines with your staff, like y'all were talking about. Okay, here's what you're doing. You know, here's what you're responsible for in breakdowns. Um, you know, and, and that's something that's something you have to find out as a as a as a coach, like as a young coach, especially, is you got to really be assertive. I'm not saying you got to be a jack leg and, and be a jerk to everybody, but I'm saying, you know, hey, hey guys, you know, this is what needs to be done, and we need to make sure we get it done. You know, because everybody's so hell-bent on, hey, let's – I want to move up, I want to move up, I want to move up, you know. And everybody wants to move up till you don't score any points. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no. That's right. So. Well, hey, uh, to the boundary, that's that was uh, – Walls, that was your thing. Uh, you know, uh, tied into the boundary at least, and, and we go receivers to the field and, and either toss or pin-pull the boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I – it. It's one of my favorite things, man, being able to, to mess with formations, you know, especially some of the, the four two five defenses, you know, they all travel together. You know, they they got the strong linebacker they always put to the field, they got the field safety, they got the field corner, you know, change, changing some of those things up and, and most teams are gonna have, you know, one, if they're really good, they might have two formation to the boundary checks. And usually you can have some some pretty good play calls that you like with that. So it's a good check with me situation. Sure, sure. And then, you know, they start – and, you know, what's their answer? I mean, are they going to roll the secondary? I mean, what are, the, are they going to slide the front? I mean, at some point they've got to do something, you know, especially if it's even, you know, personnel-wise. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things you can get into, too, is, you know, uh, two tight ends. And, and like you said, using that, that second tight end as an adjuster or um, – you know, just finding different ways to create seams, uh, whether it be whams or, or um, you know, uh, isos or, you know, short traps. Um, just any anything you can do to kind of dictate um, dictate personnel, I guess. Well, that's what uh, I love too tight. Uh, and that was – I stole that a lot from, from Coach Walls. Um, you, you know, some of my favorite things to do is – you know, two tight ends with two receivers of the field and, you know, just the, you know, the nub tight into the boundary or you go tight mm-hmm. end wing to the boundary and, and have both receivers over to the field. Cause now 
like you said, what are you going to do? You're going to go corners over. Uh, and, and now right. we've got to have some, some man beaters over there that has done a great job of, or, um, you got to let your corner play, uh, down in the run fit. And if, if that's the case, then uh, we should run for a lot of yards. Right. So right. you're making them make that decision when you get in some of those formations. And then, like you said, you know, if you go from two tight end stuff, there, it really, in my opinion, or for what I've seen this year, these past few years, is it really calms down a defense. They can't get into, um, you know, as, as weird of fronts or as weird of blitzes because they've got so many gaps they have to account for, and, and they've really got to kind of calm down, at least from what we've seen. No, I, I agree. You know, you get a, you get a balanced defense. Um, you know, so especially against an odd front team, you know, if they're if they're shading their front, you know, like if you've got a true, uh, two, you know, a true tight end set, like a 12 personnel with a receiver each side and, um, you know, two tight ends on the line and, and they're shading to one side. So they're playing their formation to, or they're playing their front to the field, um, you know, so you kind of you're dictating to them. And, and another thing I like throwing the ball, you're not going to see a, a ton of different coverages from from compact offensive formations um so you kind of limit you kind of limit on what your your quarterback's seeing too i agree usually you're going to get you know some one-on-one coverage some one-on-one looks um just because there's so many more gaps with with two tight ends i also like two tight ends for for the the simple fact that you can check you know all the runs that we liked We, we liked one back power you know, we liked pin and pull. We could run it either direction. So, you know, it, it mm-hmm. gave us some of that, that flexibility. So maybe where you, you did see some tendencies or there's a defensive end who's not as good as, as another guy or, or a, a linebacker, you know, is, is not as good fitting or taking on lead blockers. I, I just loved that flexibility of, of being able to, you know, either check it from the, from the box upstairs or having your quarterback, you know, check plays to a, to a certain side. I just think that that gives you that, that flexibility. And then once you kind of know the tendencies and they've made their adjustment, well, now I'm already running my naked or I'm already running my play action or I'm taking advantage of the, the one-on-one coverage outside. I think there's, there's just so many fun things and cool things you can do. And, and honestly, it, it doesn't take a lot of, of practice time. You know, hey, let's have three or four runs and let's have two passes and let's go to work. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, and then Walls, you always really liked the uh, the condensed sets. Not even just tight ends, but just any of any condensed sets. You've always said uh, um, just how how much you liked, you know, being able to pass even out of those condensed sets. Is that is that kind of the same reason? I never picked your brain enough to to know why. I know why I like it in the run game, but um, you know, are, are those some of the same reasons that that you like all the? Um, you know, I think Wisconsin does it a bunch. I, I say I think I know they do it a bunch where they get the uh, the two H backs, and then they squeeze in those those receivers, and so you know, like we call it face squeeze. But um, that those condensed sets, and not even if it's all big guys, just receivers close, bunch sets, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think anytime you get into those, I mean, and, and when wing T guys or double wing guys, you know, understand the the same thing, it it forces defenses to kind of make you know some some declarations on the edge. You know, uh, if they're odd fronts, obviously they're going to have the, the two overhang players. But if they do happen to play some some even fronts, you know, are they going to go down and play a 4-4? Um, or are they going to stay in more of a kind of a 4-3 look and they're going to play now their corners down, you know, and have to play right. force? So I think it, it creates a lot of those 
those kind of mismatches either in the run game or the pass game. So now you're, you're saying the pass game, Harper, if they want to play their corners down in run support, so like cover two, now I can get two of my best receivers up to run routes on their safeties. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So I think now you, you can mm-hmm. kind of dictate the, the matchups that you want. And if, you know, now they leave the corners down and in, in, in play, in, play in force, well, cool, let's run plays like, like pin, pull, and toss where now corners have to take on fullbacks, they have to take on pulling <laughs> tackles, and, and it's just really cool matchups. And like I said, a lot of that's original wing tee football, you know, and, and double wing football you know, playing out of those compressed sets and, and just kind of a little more of a spread flavor where you're going to throw out of it as well. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, you know, we were, a, we were kind of a – we were a heavy two tight end team this year at Asheville um, and really – and personnel kind of dictated that. Um, but, man, it was amazing how, how many times you could throw a simple play action and, I mean, you'd have guys 20 yards down the field wide open. Just because, I mean, the, I mean, they were so afraid of, I mean, so picture this, you have, you have four gaps, all right, five, maybe sometimes five gaps you have to cover at one time in the run game to one side. So like you go a, a true unbalanced, like, like a, a two, four unbalanced. And then you see a, you know, a wing onset where it's, you know, tackle over, wing on, so you're, still, you're like a three-man surface on one side and then a four-man surface on the other. Um, and then you, you just fake it to the tailback. You pull a tackle. Um, hold on a second, guys. Sorry, I got a two-year-old that's getting grumpy. Um, you know, so you pull a tackle deep, and, and it looks like power or pin-pull, and next thing you know, that wing who's stepped on as a tight end with his hand in the ground – is running a, a wheel route up the sideline and nobody's within 20 yards of them. Yeah, there's I mean, no so. doubt. I mean, anytime, like you're saying, you know, when you add five or even six <laughs> gaps to one side, you know, the defense obviously has to adjust their D-line or they're going to have to commit, you know, some of the, the secondary people to do it. And when you put those secondary dudes in conflict, you know, it, it, it makes it really hard when it's like, hey, you got you got D-gap and you have to cover the, the tight end or cover <laughs> the wing or cover the tailback out on a wheel. You know, I just think you get them to hesitate or, or think about something for even a split second, and and our passing game, you know, is is timed up correctly. We got protection. You're going to be in a lot of problems. Sure, sure. And I mean, ultimately, guys, you know, we're not trying to fool that other coach. We're trying to fool that other kid on the side on the other side of the ball. That's yeah. right. That's the best thing I've heard all all off season. Uh, I've heard that echoed a, a few times. And I think uh, exactly right. Well, well, Coach, <laughs> sounds like you got your hands full right now. We, we can go ahead and, and uh, we'll cut it a little bit short for you because uh, I, I understand that, man. I've got a, a three and a five year old, and they're uh, they, they when they need when they need dad, they need them uh, right now. So I, I understand that, but uh, I, I do want to get one more answer from you. Uh, when, sure. Whenever you're um, whenever you're watching another offensive line. Uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their coach? Well, just, you know, how, what's the sense of urgency they have? You know, are they, are they sprinting to the ball? Are they, you know, coming out lazy to the ball? Are they playing with great effort? I mean, because I think that's something that was instilled at me even long before I started coaching was how good is your effort? Now, granted, if you don't have alignment and assignment, down then your effort doesn't really matter because I mean if you can't line up right 
and you don't know who to block, you know, if your splits off, but you're giving great effort, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a successful play. That's just chaos, you know? And, and I heard David Cutcliffe say that um, this past weekend in Montgomery at our state coaches clinic, but really just the, the sense of urgency they have are the, is it, is the whole, is the tandem of guys working together, you know, are they busting their tail every single play to, uh, to be the best unit they can be. Coach, love the answer, man. The last thing I wanted to make sure I got in is, is a plug. I know you're, you're running the, uh, the spread and, and defensive clinic down there in Alabama, and you got a, a really, really good list of speakers. So if you want to you know, go ahead and, and tell our listeners about uh, that clinic you got going on as well. Well, it's, uh, it's you know, uh, like I said, something that, something that we started doing. This is our second year doing it. Um, and uh, it's the second annual Alabama Spread and Defensive Clinic. We've, uh, we've, we've tried to grow it from last year, and, and so far with pre-registration we have. Um, it, we got a, a really strong lineup. I was very fortunate to get some of the guys I did, um, you know, and uh, I'm just – I'm really excited about it. But our website is uh, www.alabamaspread.com, and um, I have a guy who's, who's a tremendous who used to work video at Auburn who does a does, does my video, my multimedia for me, and he's going to actually live stream the clinic for me wow. uh, for those guys that can't, for those guys who can't uh, make it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, look, you know, I think it's a good lineup and I know some of the guys personally and um, I know they'll do a good job and it's a very, you know, uh, inexpensive clinic. I know how, how hard those things can get to pay for. Um, but it's a, you know, it's an idea I just, I just took from the next guy. I just took it from Coach Holmes and, and just tried to bring it to Alabama. He does one in, in, in Dublin with the wing tee um, every year, and he does a, a fantastic job with it. But, um, yeah, so we're, uh, we're looking forward to it, man. But it's in Birmingham, February 22nd, 23rd. It's a Friday, Saturday, and we'll go all day Friday. Uh, first speaker starts at, at 9 a.m., and then the last speaker wraps up at 9.30 p.m. So uh, that's Friday, and then Saturday we're going to go from uh, 7 a.m. till about one. Well, that, on Saturday. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome, and and um, you know, like you said, a good time I think because I went to Birmingham um, on on uh, January 1st one time, and because uh, it was a bowl game, and they said don't go out at night because everyone was shooting uh, weapons up in the air. So uh, I believe thing. it. Good thing that won't be happening. It's in February. No one should be get getting hit with any stray bullets being shot in the air. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me on, and, and man, I love what you guys are doing to help promote our game, and and uh, man, I, I really appreciate it. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.